On this episode of Unit Leader 101, we are going to talk to Callie about her experience as an Ember Leader with Yellow Level Safe Guide activities. And we also discuss some behavior management techniques that you can use for success with your unit. As always, if you like what you hear, don't forget to hit that subscribe button on your podcast app of choice. Or if you have an idea for a future episode or want to get in touch with me, feel free to send me an email. One sparks embers at gmail.com. That is the number one sparks embers at gmail.com. Let's get into today's episode. Thanks so much for joining me today. Can you please introduce yourself and tell me a little bit about your guiding experience? So my name's Kelly. I've been a guider for around eight and a half years, mostly in embers, what was formerly called brownies. However, I have dabbled a little bit in sparks in my local spots and guides unit from time to time when needed. Awesome. I got into Goal Guides, as I was primarily looking for a volunteer opportunity where I could use my ECE skills, but also learn some new skills as well. And Goal Guides seemed like a good fit. And I have gained so much from it. Absolutely. What's your favorite part about being a leader? I think it really sometimes depends on the group of goals and the group of pads I have. Some years we've got really great goals and pads, and other years, you know, it's more challenging. Um, I'd have to say one of my favorite parts, though, is I love doing camping and outdoor stuff with them. Absolutely. I agree with you there. So one of the things that um, you do really well is yellow yellow level activities. So first, can you tell our listeners what a yellow level activity means so a yellow a yellow level activity is part of goal guide safe guide procedures so goal guides has what we call safe guide and it's grouped into three levels so we've got a green level activities which is a regular unit meetings or primarily stuff in the community so like going to the park or going to the movies and then we've got our yellow level activities so those are things where we have to slow down and plan more carefully. They are out of the ordinary activities that have an elevated level of risk that require more care and planning and preparation from participants as well as parents. And they also have a high level of supervision and require go get approval. So I'd say the most common yellow level activity I do with my members is camps. We usually do about one or two a year, depending. And so for that, we have to submit safe guide paperwork to goal guides two weeks in a minimum, 14 days in advance. I try to get them in about around a month prior just so that I'm not stressing and it gives lots of time. Some of the other yellow activities I've also done with Michael still have been things like day camp where we do at a facility, at a uh, establishment where they provide the staff and we do things with the girls such as like archery or low ropes and swimming and things like that so that would also be another example of yellow level activity and another example which some people might not always think about would be something like going to a pumpkin patch or an apple orchard which involves riding a tractor so that also is considered a yellow level activity 
absolutely. How many girls do you have in your unit? This past year, so the 2022-2023 guiding year, I took on the biggest unit I have ever had with 24 goals. Prior to that, the biggest unit I had would have been about 20 goals pre before COVID hit. This yeah. year, we have 24 goals already registered. That's awesome. I love the bigger units. Our unit, my unit that I work with is a, um, a joint Sparks Embers unit, and we cap at 32. And usually it's perfect because oh we have like, well, usually because it's like, usually we have like 10 to 15 Sparks and then the rest are Embers. And then we go and look at our, because, because it's a multi-unit, you can't, um, there's special have, considerations to take into account. Yes. Yeah. But you can't like, unless we, we have it on paper as two separate units, you can't cap sparks to embers. Yeah. So the registration is still first come first serve this year. We have 29 embers and three sparks. I'm already like, Oh my God, oh. what am I doing? <laughs> Well, with my child, with my uh, EC background, I would honestly never dream of taking on a unit bigger than twenty-four girls. I work with them all day. I'm not going to take on a unit bigger than twenty-four. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you there. What would your three pieces of advice be to someone if they're looking at running a yellow level activity for the first time? So I would say be confident in your skills and the skills of your co-guiders. So for example, if you're not confident and don't quite have the skill set to do an outdoor camp, for example, then maybe look at doing an indoor camp. Or if you, nobody in your unit guider-wise has the skills, then ask around to see if there's another guider from another unit or your local community or maybe a link or check for a member or two who would come along. So I know my first few times I planned camps when I first started, when I first became a guider, I was fortunate to have an awesome mentor of one of our local Truffle Guild ladies. And she was amazing. She helped me with the camp plan, with the safeguard and everything. But then she also came along and stitched an extra set of hands those first few times, which was a huge help. That's awesome. Um, Another one. One I'd say would be have a plan, but be prepared to be flexible and go with the flow. So I know last spring in June 2022, I had planned a weekend overnight camp at a provincial park that was 15, 20 minutes from our area. And we had planned a lot of fun stuff, but in the end, we ended up going camping in the middle of the heat wave. So it was like 35 degrees for the entire weekend. So our plan for the weekend basically just went out the window and we modified and went with the girls flow. But I was fortunate that we had a really small group. We only had about 10 girls and we just went with the girls flows and the girls ideas within reason and the girls had an absolute blast. That's awesome. Um, lastly, and one of the biggest, I'd say have clear expectations for guiders, any unit assistance that you're bringing along as well as the girls. Absolutely. So that's some great pieces of advice and your experience definitely shows. The reaching out to your Trefoiled Guild, I think is a huge one that new guiders don't realize is such a great resource. And that's so awesome that you had a mentor that was able to come with you those first couple times as well. Yeah, it honestly made a world of difference. <laughs> Absolutely, because they they're definitely the experts. They've done it before. And even I find 
when you bring experienced guiders on trips. Um, we only do one tent camp a year with our group. We do one indoor one at one tent camp. And we brought an experienced guider that was used to going with pathfinders and stuff. And there was just little things she did that I was like learning from that. I was like, oh my goodness. Like I never would have thought of that. And it just made life so much easier. That actually touches on another great thing though. Make sure that the guiders or the people that you're bringing have the experience with what you're doing. So for example, taking a group of pathfinders camping is a lot different than taking a group of Sparks members camping because with Pathfinders, they've probably been to a few camps before and they're used to being away from home. With Sparks and Embers, a lot of times you're taking them camping or they're first overnights away from mom and dad or grandparents for the first time. And that in and of itself can create huge issues like homesickness and bad wedding and even dealing with pull-ups still at that age. Absolutely, that's so true. And I think at the Sparks and Embers age, also, like, if you need to make a phone call at two in the two in the morning to tell a parent to pick up their child because it's just not working, don't be afraid to make that phone call at two I've in the morning. I've never done 2 a.m., but I have made phone calls at 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night to send girls home, yes. And I think that's another good point that you brought up is I'm even thinking back to, you know, my experiences with, like, other guys and stuff where... And again, this is my experience, but I know it. I've heard from a lot of guiders, especially at the Spark and Ember age, they don't believe in sending girls home due to homesickness. As an ECE, but also somebody with lots of experience, that is something that we should never be afraid to do. Obviously, try to deal with it, but if you've got a girl who's been uncontrollably crying for an extended length of time, you've tried everything you know, you've tried distractions, you've tried telling her what you're going to do tomorrow, it's better to send that child home after having a positive experience than to make them suffer. Because when you send them home after a positive experience, they're more likely to return and try again next time versus now you've made them suffer and now they've turned off from trying again. So true. And I think, I don't know if you see, um, if you've seen the same thing, I'm sure you have um, in your day-to-day career, the um, lasting impacts of covid and what yes. I'm calling COVID kids, right? Like they're, it's just, a, they're yes. so used to being at home with mom and dad. in my work, but also through goal guides. You know, the goals that I've dealt with this past year, they've had a huge difference in their social skills and things like problem solving and even just getting through an activity. Um, but also in my work, you know, I'm dealing with preschoolers right now who are about to start JK and they're nowhere near the social skills that our kids had a few years back. It's so true. Um, touching on the, what your on your career, um, you have a lot of bit a, a lot of experience with behaviors. Can you tell me a little bit about what you do in your day to day work? So I work as a registered early childhood educator, and I have been doing that for about five years. I primarily work with school age children. However, right now, because it is summer, I am working with preschool-age children, but I'll touch specifically on the school-age component. So I deal a lot with challenging behaviors in my work, and by challenging behaviors, I can mean kids who have a diagnosis of autism spectrum disorder, ADHD, as well as a host of other things, but also kids who might not have a diagnosis but really just struggle with things like social or emotional 
issues like problem solving, anger issues, defiance, problem solving skills, and anything along those lines. Um, so some of the strategies that I use for that would be set, and I'm thinking I'm now relating this back to goal guides, but also setting clear expectations. So at the start of the guiding year, one of the things I love to do with my embers is we go over the code of conduct with girls and parents at our first meeting. But then I will also get the girls as a large group to come up with what they feel I rules for the unit. And it's interesting to see what they come up with sometimes. Sometimes their rules are great and other times are not so great. So when it's something that might not, I might take that in a different direction and I might bounce off what they said and be like, well, we can't do that, but what about this type thing? One of the other things that my work really stresses is the importance of small groups. And that's also something I love to implement within Girl Guides. So for us, small groups would look like, depending on the number of girls and adults you have, it might look like, so our ember ratio is one to eight for green level activities. So for me, that would look like one guider with a group of eight girls. And we might have different sections throughout the meeting space word, and then rotate girls through different sections to accomplish activities. And this can work really well because it's breaking up the girls. So, you know, for example, if you've got two or three girls who don't get along or who I maybe the best friends one day and best enemies the next week, then this is a great way to break that up. It also helps to make sure that girls are getting some attention and that they're able to understand the instructions that you're giving them. Other ideas that work well is if you're having challenging behavior from a girl and it's out of the norm, I just suggest talking to parents at pickup and, you know, maybe maybe the girl had a bad day at school, for example, that day. Or maybe she didn't sleep all the night before and this is a one-off thing. However, if it's becoming more of a one, if it's no longer one-off thing, it's now happening on a regular basis, I'd suggest talking to the family. So saying, you know, we're noticing that, and I'm just, I'm just going to use made-up names here. We're noticing that yeah. Susie is having a really hard time following instructions and staying on task. Are you noticing the same issues at home? And then working with parents or families to address that and how can we give that girl the best experience? If you're now getting into issues where, you know, you're having the same challenge of behaviors from a child, the family's unwilling to work with you and it's becoming disruptive to meetings, that at the point is something where I'd say it's time to get your ACL or your DCL, DC involved. Because there is only so much as guiders that we can do. We are not male co-workers. We like to believe we are, but just for context, ACL, <laughs> if you're listening um, and don't know what that is, that's your administrative community leader. That is, I think, just an Ontario thing. And then Correct. I think the rest, I think the rest of Canada uses DC, which is your district commissioners. I don't know why we are special and yeah. have something different than the rest, but <laughs> that's what happened. Yeah, Ontario has very different stuff compared to the rest of the Canada, yes. Yeah, it's so weird. People were putting acronyms on some of the Facebook groups, and I was like, I don't know what that is. <laughs> I'm like, I've been around you for a while. I should. I had the exact same issue when I first became a guider, and it would be so annoying when people you would use acronyms 
and extremely frustrated because it's, then it's like you're having to put it in the comments ask somebody else like what does this mean what does this mean but then after a yes. while you get the hate of it and you're like oh i know that one i know that one and it all becomes like water under the dust exactly um what would you say um i know for myself i i also work with work with kids i run summer camps and run recreation programs so like behaviors and talking with parents i'm right there with you talking to parents is like the best thing you can do i know for me one of my favorite i have two favorite strategies for dealing with behaviors and i'll share with you and then you can share back my two favorite strategies is if a kid has a behavior that I I don't think I've ever used it with girl guides, but definitely would if the opportunity came. If the kid has a behavior and you're like, it's recurring or they're hitting or something, I always make the kid either draw a picture or write down what happened so that it's in the kid's words. Um, Because sometimes you deal with parents that don't believe (laughs) that their kid actually did it. And then you've got proof of the kid saying, yeah, I did it. Um, The other thing I love using, because I feel like it's a system that works for celebrating behaviors that we want to reinforce and I love using sticker boards so writing the kids name on something and adding stickers to them um sometimes we've done it at camp where you get to like leave a note for a friend or like put a sticker on when they did something or they helped a friend those are my two favorite like reinforcing behaviors tactics that I use what about yourself what's your like go-to I've used this strategy and it's like my best friend so one that my uh use that I use a lot in work, but also transfers over to girl guides, is a couple actually. One would be having realistic expectations. So, and be uh, again that flexibility piece. So I'm really big on the flexibility. So for example, you might have planned a meeting, and this meeting requires a lot of sit down work. However, the girls have been inside all day because it's rainy. Or it's too cold. So you know that they've been kept at, inside during recess. And that's where you're then going to have to be flexible and, you know, maybe plan something else on a whim or maybe continue with what you had, but play, add in a lot of movement breaks. Some movement breaks could be something like Simon says or doing some stretches or basic exercises. Or if you have Wi Fi access at your meeting location, putting on a quick, uh, even if you just go into YouTube and like punch in kids movement videos or something, there'll be a ton that'll pop up there. That's a great idea. Another one I want to touch on is I know a lot of units at the Specs and Embers level love to have the girls come in and, you know, do a coloring or activity sheet. That's another one that I really stay away from. They've been in school all day. They do not need more seat work. They need to get up and have their bodies moving. So I do this two ways. In the warmer weather, I'll allow the girls to have the first 10 minutes of a meeting time spent outside. And I do not usually provide them anything. So sometimes it's interesting to see what they come with. But but things like tag is one of their favorites. In the colder weather, the winter weather, or even if it's rain and we can't get outside, I've got a number of small tabletop activities that I wouldn't have a meeting. So these might be things like Mr. Potato Heads or building things, Lego, anything small like that. I also, these are also great to keep in and bring to a regular meeting. You know, maybe you've planned something and you're realizing it's too hard for the girls. So, uh, so now you've got something to fall back on and something else that they can do to take up time. 
uh, I have planned meetings and the girls might have been had a really long day at school and you know they're just tired they're not feeling it it's okay to throw meetings plans out the window and you know have the girls do class or have the girls do something else once in a while it's important to go off their needs and what they need for the night however we are also a program and organization so sometimes it's good to have backup plans as well Absolutely. We are girls first, right? We program based on their needs. And that's so true. The like coming in and doing a coloring sheet is so true. I remember my first year or two as a leader, that's what we did. And I was like, this is not working. You're so true on that because it's like you it actually adds more chaos and stress for you as a leader. Yeah, I don't need to start the meeting telling them to sit down. (laughs) That's just that doesn't work. Right. And it's great. I love the idea of starting the meeting outside. I've never done that, but I think I might like have the parents just bring them to you outside. I absolutely love that because we have a playground out back. I just wonder if my girls would transition from being outside to actually coming in for meetings some days because they get into a really so good game and they note, don't want to stop. On that note, I typically spend the first two meetings or so bringing them right inside. So that we don't run into that issue. But, you know, after those first few meetings, once you're kind of into a routine and you've gotten to know the girls and the families, yeah, there's nothing wrong with me outside. Sometimes we'll even do the first activity outside, too. Uh, it, also, obviously, as soon as the colder weather comes and it's now dark out when meeting starts, then it's inside time. Yeah, that time change really messes you up, especially now it's like, it's like, oh my God, I wanted to do it outside and I can't. What, what space do you guys meet in? So we meet in a church. It is a smaller church. However, we do have a nice big, I wouldn't say big, but with 24 girls, but it's a decent sized room with tables and chairs. We will sometimes move the tables and the chairs out of the way. We'll add to do whatever we want to the space as long as we put it back how we found it at the end of the night. However, we're also lucky that we do have, it's not a fenced in yard or anything, but the church does have a nice grassy area that we utilize as well in the warmer weather. That's awesome. Sometimes often in the spring, we'll do a couple meetings at the park or we might do combine. So for example, this past spring, we did a little cleanup along our way to a local park. That's awesome. I've come to the end of all of my questions and I've loved this. Thank you so much for chatting with me. What's your overarching advice you have for returning leaders, new leaders? What's your like, what's your final statement? <laughs> so I'd say get to know Safeguide. Either have um, somebody experience show you the ropes. Or honestly, when I first started, I just played around with stuff and got to know Safeguide. Safeguard right now and the past years has a ton of added resources on there. So one thing that I just discovered this past year is something called a list of A to Z activities. And that was actually a phenomenal resource. So that'll give you a list of all sorts of activities and tell you what level of that, uh, safeguard they're at. So it's literally got anything you could think of on there. Another one I'd suggest would be get to know MemberZone, which is where we primarily use for everything except aside from the Girls Push platform. Again, I'd either suggest have somebody sh- experience show you around, but I just 
went for it and dove around and found things out my, for myself. It's got a ton on there. I'd also say though, don't be afraid to work with families. Don't be afraid to ask your ACL for advice. I know I'm personally in a ton of GoGuard Facebook groups. Those can be a great resource and a great networking opportunity for new guiders. Awesome. Thank you so much for hanging out with me today. A huge thank you to Kaylee for coming out and chatting with me today on the podcast, Unit Leader 101. It was so much fun chatting and sharing our experiences, and we hope that you learned something new that you can use for success in your unit. If you like what you heard, please don't forget to subscribe or leave us a review. We would love to hear from you. Or if you have an idea for a future podcast or want to chat with me and share your experiences, I would love to hear from you. And until next time, don't forget to share and be a good friend.